Hello and welcome to this brand new project, podcast, division of Fish on First called The Baseball Buffs. You can see uh, Ellie De La Cruz kind of here. Louis, you have to buff. You're the buffest one here. All right? You have to, you have to flex. You have to flex. I'm not doing that. <laughs> um, yeah, but for here on Baseball Buffs, um, we are still – this is still Fish on First. Everything is still there. Just here we'll be doing – Almost a weekly podcast, some tweets, a TikToks with interviews and, and content, so much and more. Um, but we just want to do this to talk about the league and, and give some more thoughts, um, not just Marlins related, but what's happening across the league and more. Um, baseball buffs, I believe, for all of us, perfect name. All of us are in this. Perf- can't wait to do it. I'm Daniel. This is Kevin Grant and. Below me is the buffest one of them all. He is actually the arms on our logo, Louis Adel Weiss. Fellas, how do you feel about this brand new project? I'm excited. There's no other way to say it. I'm excited. We, Daniel, you and I spoke about this a while ago. Louis and Grant were really excited about the idea. And we kind of now is when we're kind of making everything happen. I'm excited. Uh, should be a fun podcast, really laid back, just talk baseball. And obviously, with the trade deadline, we started this at the perfect Ooh. time. Yeah, I, yeah, I can't wait. It, it's fun to talk about the rest of the league. I mean, as much as we love the Marlins and we cover the Marlins extensively, but in, in years where the Marlins aren't good, we tend to pay attention to other stuff in the league too. And first and foremost, we're all baseball fans, and we pay attention to all 30 teams in the league. I think all of us here kind of have a second team that we pull for, two on the side, love the postseason, trade deadline. Uh, we've been ingrained in it, so it, it's a good opportunity and a good platform to talk about other teams as well, I would say. And because of the access we have with being credentialed media members, you can talk to other teams, especially you three being in Miami, seeing all the other teams that come down to Miami, talk to those guys. That's really what's going to revamp um, our TikTok presence. And uh, Fish on First is trying to become more and more of a multimedia platform. And I think this is going to be a huge step up the ladder to do that. Yeah. Yeah, and- I'm more excited than Grant at a pig uh, pig race. Like, it's, it's going to be pretty fun. What? Okay. <laughs> But um, what? Because I mean, realistically, we all talk about the Marlins, but and I, I mean, I'm maybe me, I'm probably more guilty than anybody else. I have opinions or just uh, or takes on other teams and other players outside of the you know the men that occupy the Marlins organization. That you know we don't really have the platform beyond you know set episodes of certain shows to really talk about. So mm-hmm. it's it's definitely an avenue that's going to allow. It's a democratization of like. You know, Ooh. us getting being able to talk about these things that we've wanted to talk about for a while and haven't really had the chance to. Yeah. Again, this is going to be an open conversation. It's not going to be like our other podcast or streams where I usually ask everyone, you know, your thoughts on this. This is going to be just a normal conversation like we would have on the text. I, I believe this is going to be great. And what way to start it than just talking about season overall? Just been crazy, guys. Just talk to us a little bit on this year. Like, say, oh, so, hey, Otani. Clayne Kershaw, this man right behind me, reinvigorating um, Cincinnati, where Grant is from. What, what, thoughts on this season? What you guys think? This has been wild. I think it's been a really great season so far, especially coming off. Um, man, I forgot what's it? What the strike? Coming off the strike and everything. Yeah, it's been fun. There's another way to put it. Obviously, Shohei Otani. Maybe, Ooh. maybe he re- future maybe Marlin, future Marlin. Marlin. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> Maybe he passes yeah, for that for that home run record in a single season. He looks like he's on pace to do it. 
And obviously, Ellie De La Cruz has been one of the biggest stories in baseball. You can't, you know, not say that. It's it's been a very, very fun season. The Baltimore Orioles are one of the best teams in baseball. That's a very fun team. Obviously, we were just able to watch them for three games since they played the Marlins. And I mean, the Diamondbacks have been a very fun team too. You and man, it's it's been a very interesting season. I think we could call it the young teams that you know we kind of saw rebuilding for a couple of years finally making that move obviously the Red have a very good form system and we're finally seeing those form pieces come up to the big leagues and make an impact the Cruz Christian Encarnacion strand we saw him not too long ago and then obviously Arizona the Diamondbacks they had the division lead for a while obviously the Dodgers are really good and that's why they lost it but I mean that team is fun Zach Gallen and then the Braves are the best team in baseball so can't yeah. say anything else about that. It's been a very I think season. what's really making this year a lot more fun is just the unexpectedness. I mean, the biggest headline this offseason was your usual teams spending big money. I'll be at the Potters aren't really a usual team, but you had all these teams just empty their um, empty the clip basically. The <laughs> they get all these different assets. The Mets payroll is about half a billion dollars, and the, the Mets are how many games under 506 right now? And our 17 and a half games back of first. I mean, you just have so many different teams. I mean, I don't think I would have guessed Baltimore or Tampa Bay would be leading the AL East. I would have put Yankees or Blue Jays. AL Central is a wash. Looking at the AL West, Texas, they, they were kind of due. Uh, and, but Houston's coming up too. The Angels were even good at some point this year. Everyone thought Seattle would be really good as well. Yeah, They're kind of middling. I mean, they, they were kind of a popular pick to, to be crazy. Uh, coming into this season, but have been kind of falling off Atlanta. Of course, they're good. Even uh, the team we cover, the Marlins are, I don't think we all would have expected this. Obviously they're, they're in a free fall right now, but um, who would have thought, but I think the biggest surprise of them all was just how bad the Cardinals are. The Cardinals were like my far and away number one yeah. team in the, in the NL central. I thought they were going to win the game. This the, the division by 10 plus games and look at them and then NL West every team is good for the most part besides Colorado so I'm just loving the unexpectedness and and quirkiness of this season there's still a lot of games left to go so uh, it's going to be fun there's a lot of just fun teams and I kind of love seeing the the other teams that have these high payrolls but poor management fail I mean it it was kind of due for some of these teams I feel like yeah I mean yeah I mean I wouldn't say just about every team is good I mean the A's and the Royals I mean (laughs) I mean, if the royal if the Royals were actual kings, they'd have their crown stripped. They're, they're, that's how bad they've been. <laughs> Who's worse? The Who's are, worse, Lewis? The, the A's are a glorified AAA team, and then you know you talk about the Yankees. Like, yeah, like honestly, like I didn't really have I didn't know what my expectations were of the Yankees going into the season. I feel like I'm just watching a glorified old timers game every time they play because that wow. lineup is full of older players, and then the younger guys just feel largely unproven. Um. You know, the Mets not performing is crazy, but it's kind of you could kind of see that through the lens of last year, even though they were a hundred win team last year. I mean, it's an older roster, and I think it's similar to what's going on with the Yankees right now, where like, you know, if you have older players, you're generally going to have, you know, your fair share of injuries and those things that kind of uh, rear their head. And then you just have a lot of underperformance. Um, I mean, the Cardinals not playing well. I think it's just the, um, God, how are we really going to put this? It's the one deficit they have really being, like, so pronounced. It's like a war. It's like a pimple in the middle of your nose kind of thing. Like, they, their pitching has just been so inconsistent, and at times it's just been bad. 
but like you can't really say that they're a bad offensive team because obviously, I mean, literally the corners of their infield are two or you know covered by two future Hall of Famers, and then some of the younger offensive players have been pretty good, but it's just their pitching is horrendous. I mean, Adam Wainwright's a hundred years old, and like he's never healthy. He's got elbow issues. Um, Flaherty's been wildly inconsistent. Montgomery's been the best pitcher on that team. And even he's one of those guys yeah. that I think is susceptible to regression because in this day and age, his stuff doesn't necessarily play up besides maybe his sinker and his changeup. But I don't know. I mean, like, you know, the White Sox are a disappointing team, but even then, like, I'm not disappointed because, like, that roster is also full of guys who just don't play all the time. The Tigers, like, I thought they were going to be, like, better. I thought Spencer Torkelson would be better. He's been better of late, yeah. but, like, that team overall has been wildly inconsistent. Tanks for um, <laughs> Twenty nine. Yeah, right. I mean, he's a he's about a league average hitter after his recent hot stretch. Um, I mean, I'm I like what I'm seeing with the Diamondbacks, but even then, like their pitching is only slightly better than the Cardinals, and they play. And I can't say that the division helps them, but the Padres not playing well, and their pitching not being a strength is a reason why they are where they are. Um, the Giants are just reverting to their analytically savvy ways and just kind of like signing guys like Alex Wood a couple of years ago pitching well. Alex Cobb is an all-star. Yeah, um, Michael Conforto looks commendable as an outfielder again. Mitch Hanniger is never going to be healthy. Yeah. He's like the tiny Tim of big leaguers. Like, he's always hurt. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's fragile. I'm sorry. I don't need to offend any Lewis, um, Charles Dickens fans here, but like <laughs> Mitch Hanniger is one of those guys who just never seems to be able to stay on the field and when he does he's an excellent player but mm -hmm. you know he's why he's never healthy um i mean miguel cabrera is kind of having like a crappy farewell tour because he's you know he hasn't been that good but he also hasn't been good for a while mm -hmm. there's a lot of stories obviously I mean, i'm not even gonna mention shohei otani because we know what he's doing like it's ridiculous yeah. it's it, i mean he's kyle tucker he's like I mean, kyle tucker. he's like 1993 barry bonds at the plate and like 2011 Justin Verlander on the mound or something mm. close to that. It's Do you know that 2011 Justin Verlander was the last pitcher to go for 250 or more innings pitched in a season? Yeah, he pitched 250 yeah. innings, and I think he allowed something like 240 hits. But I found that out the other day because with my internship, I was doing a sit-down interview with, with Bronson Arroyo, and he, he prides himself Ooh. in length. All, all those pitchers do back in the day. Oh, wow. And he and I were talking. Arroyo was like my favorite pitcher growing up, so I was digging it, and he's like, I can't remember the last time a pitcher went 250 or more innings in a season. So I found it. Justin Verlander, 2011 with the Tigers. Last to ever do it. Probably will be the the last pitcher to ever do it. Here. I, would say, I mean, maybe not ever, but I think with the further specialization of pitchers, I think, yeah. It'll, it'll be quite some time until we happy. see it. I mean, we I'll haven't had a pull it up right now. Hold on. We I'll haven't had a 300-inning pitcher since Wilbur Wood in, like, I think it was, like, 1972. <laughs> and, like, Kev, you know yeah. who that is? No. Wilbur. <laughs> Remember that for the grid. What teams did he play for? The grid. The grid. He, he, he might pitched. need him. You never know. I'm pretty sure he pitched with the White Sox when he did it, but he was a knuckleballer. And, like, as you know, the knuckleball um, doesn't put a lot of friction on your arm because it doesn't require a lot of arm speed to really throw the pitch. It's all predicated on grit. Um, I mean, so if you throw greener innings as a knuckleballer, like, whatever. Right. But, again. That. Last yeah. pitcher to do it, Justin Verlander, 2011. 250 innings pitched or more in a season. Doc and I think if you, you want to cut, cut down on that, go look. If you were to reduce 
the minimum to 230 innings. Like what? Probably, that probably hasn't happened since Clayton. Yeah. Sandy was 20, close last season, though, right? He was, he was like Clayton Kurt. I think Clayton Kershaw in 2015. Oh, here we go. Dude, he threw 232 innings, but he hasn't thrown 200 innings in a season since that year. Yeah. So only yeah, seven pitchers have thrown from 250 or more innings in the 21st century. Can you guys name them? Wait, 250? 250 or more. Only seven different pitchers have done it in the 21st century. Oh, you got We've already said Verlander. two of them. We've said Verlander and Doc. Verlander, Doc. Oh, Roy Halladay. Mike Messina. Is Mike Messina well, one? No, he's not. Oh, wow. I got Kurt Schilling. Kurt did it twice. Yep. Damn. Randy Johnson. Randy. He did. Yep. In 2000. Pedro? What's that? Pedro? Pedro? No. No, no. Dontrell Willis. Dontrell. Nope. Yeah. Roger? Dontrell never eclipsed 250 innings in a season. Well, okay. Nope. Uh, one you might not get, but there's two that are like kind of right there. You guys want a hint for one of them that's kind of fun one? Yeah. Sure. I Wait mean, if you want, time. yeah, like you can give one. Wait, one this guy played for the Expos. Oh Jesus! When he did it. Oh Bartolo Colon. Oh Bartolo. No. no. Oh, oh, yeah, the Expos. Not Pedro. Pedro. Le- Levon Hernandez. Oh. Okay. Oh wow. my God. He threw two hundred fifty-five in two thousand four. Damn. Okay, the last year. Oh, that was the year before. Moved. He so there, there's two more. There's two more. Someone did it oh, in oh eight, and someone did it in Y two K. I just you realized Clemens is as old as Someone passion. did it in 2000 is what you're saying? Clemens yeah, did yeah, it for Chicago Cubs. That year, but he won a weird Cy Young with like a 351 ERA. Now, Chicago Cubs pitcher in 2000. Pitched 251 Steve innings. Steve Traxel? Oh, uh, Ryan Dempster? Nope. No, Ryan Dempster was a Marlin in 2000. Yeah. In 2000, he, he threw 200, and 200, 250 innings in 2000? Damn. Yeah, 251 precisely. Oh, cubby. Had a oh, 12 cubby. and 11 record. <laughs> <laughs> sure, he's not a Marlin? No, Carrie Wood? <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's, it's it not, not Carrie Wood. Wood. Nope. You guys just want it? Zambrano yeah. didn't debut until yeah. 2002. John, John Lieber. Oh, underrated for his era because he was a 424 career RA guy, but if you look at his adjusted numbers. ERA plus, he's still above average because – the run scoring environment was so high. He pitched with the Yankees, I think, in 2004. But you said there was one other guy that it. In there is 2008. I'll give you a hint. Well, Kevin might be able to get this one. He played for multiple teams that year. That year? Oh, Sabathia, because that yep, was the CC. year. The, yep. Yeah, that was the Milwaukee Sabathia year. Threw like yep. seven or eight complete games with the Brewers. He won. That was. Uh, post- he that had was- ten complete games Here, that season. Let me tell you, with CC, do you think like? His best stretch as a player came as a Brewer, like that well, was peak yes. CC. I think so. That I mean, was, I, mean that, that, like I think that was probably his best season ever. Oh wait, that's like two months. That's yeah. two months. Like, like if he, you have to put two months compared. Talk to- about a rental, though. I mean, that's one hell yeah. of a rental. Um, sure, I would say so. I mean, like he was still excellent those first three yeah. years in New York, and I think after twenty fourteen. When the velocity started to go, and he actually had some battles with alcoholism, he had to check himself into rehab at the end of the 2014 or 15 mm-hmm. season. He, um, you know, he he kind of rejuvenated his career a little bit. Like Adam Wainwright, light the Wainwright's return to prominence was a little bit better. Um, yeah, I mean, and he's a borderline Hall of Famer for me. I think he'll probably get in just because like the advanced metrics and then the counting stats, like the 3,000 strikeouts, the 250 plus wins, and the 116 or 17 ERA plus, whatever it is, like CC's a Hall of Famer, but I mean, oh, like, yeah. 
Like if I, but like I also, I, I don't know. I don't know where you guys, like how much emphasis you guys put on Hall of Fame voting. I like it. I like, I think it's one of my favorite conversations, even though. Oh, let's go. Big Hall Talk. Yes. I'm going to not. So I'm going to clarify this for our listeners and for you guys, if you don't know, and if you haven't assessed it from like my kind of like personality, I'm like a nihilist. So I kind of think that most things are meaningless and I, and I hate to be like a bearer of like cynicism, but I also kind of just think back, like it's one thing to be great at baseball and to get into hall of fame, but it's also just a fucking vote. And I'm sorry if I'm cursing, but I just think it's kind of just like, wait, like, okay. Like, like they're like, to be honest, like if I name, I can name five hall of famers that Kevin's probably never heard of, but I can also name five hall of famers that Grant's never heard of. Like, oh, it, thank God. <laughs> what does it really mean in the lexicon of baseball to be a Hall of Famer? I think really it's like you separate yourself from the millions of kids that grew up playing baseball. And then they 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 reach the performative apex, you know, and for some people that's oh. making an all-star team, getting to the big leagues, winning an MVP. The Hall of Fame is a measure of sustainability. And for some reason, guys like Jack Morris, it's a remembrance of moments that we just associate with, you know, a time in our lives when our, our responsibilities were slightly diminished. But, um, you know, like there's Hall of Famers that we forget about. And I don't know, I think it's kind of meaningless. But that being said, it's kind of like, I don't know, it's kind of like being addicted to something. It's maybe like, I'm not addicted to like dr- drinking or, you know, illicit substances, but maybe I just have this infatuation with numbers and like seeing like, okay, if this guy does this, he'll, he'll be a Hall of Famer kind of thing. And I apologize if I'm rambling, but I look at like certain Hall of Famers and I, and I think to myself, like, some guys are like on the upper echelon of like best of all time, mm-hmm. like Hall of Famers. And then there's guys that are like, you're a Hall of Famer, but like the casual baseball fan has no idea who the hell you are. And I feel like a guy like Sabathia would be in that category because like a 60 war player is impressive. There's like, I think, believe there's like less than 60 players ever who eclipse 60 wins above replacement. But I don't know. Like, I still think like, it's like CC Sabathia is like, he, like, he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame because his numbers are comparable to those that are in, but I still put him at like that lower echelon. And it'd be the same way for a guy like Jim Edmonds. Like I love Jim Edmonds, great player. But if he got into the Hall of Fame, he would be among the lower tier kind of guys for me. Although there's guys like Bill Mazeroski, sub 40 win players that are in the Hall of Fame that I put even lower. I put in that, that conversation of like, like, how did you get in here? You kind of like snuck in and they just kind of thought that you were like, Primarily because of second base defense and the home run he hit off of Ralph Terry to win the 1960 World Series. Other than that, he's literally like Omar Vizquel with slightly. Oh, okay, more go Grant. I yeah, I've got a hot take. I, I told him about this. I got a hot take because you brought up a good point at the beginning of that spiel about just like kind of how the whole thing's meaningless. I mean, you got just a bunch of random dudes voting as to who someone legacy is. I think the best way to define someone legacy and to really memorialize a player and cement their legacy is through just retiring their jersey number with the team that they're most notably played for or multiple teams in that case. I think what a player means to that team and that city through his career, I think the best way to immortalize that player is to retire their number. Because, for example, my hometown Reds, most of the players' jersey numbers they retire are in the Hall of Fame. There's only two players that are not in the Hall of Fame that have their jersey numbers retired with the Reds. Pete Rose, who you could debate that. There's Dave Concepcion, who was – He's probably in the hall very good in terms of uh, in terms of voting and what voters look at. But Dave Concepcion meant a lot to Cincinnati back then. He's still a fan favorite. You go down to a Reds game, you still see yeah, he's a number thirteen jerseys. Good player, but I think he's more comparable to a guy that um, I've talked about before. His name is Mark Belanger, and he's a slightly better hitter than Mark Belanger. But Mark Belanger, for those who aren't aware, was a hitter was a was a shortstop for the Orioles in the seventies. 
during the Earl Weaver years, and he was a notoriously horrendous hitter. I mean, he played like him at the like he honestly he couldn't hit water falling off a boat. He couldn't hit a moon rock if he was standing on the moon. Like that's how bad of a hitter was. I think he was a career like sixty seven OPS plus hitter, like thirty plus percent below the league average. But he was such an elite defensive player at shortstop, and again, the defensive spectrum credits you somewhat for that because it's a premium defensive position that he stayed in the big leagues. I think it was for like parts of like 16 years. And he, he's like, but he's, and he's almost like a 50 win player and 40 of those wins are by way of defense. So like he was such an elite defender that he made up for the anemic offense that he produced. Concepcion to me, obviously people remember him fondly because he was on a team that won free pennants and two world series, but he was the, he was the like weakest offensive part of that bunch like obviously like when you have Joe Morgan, part, yeah. the mm-hmm. best maybe the best second baseman not in rogers hornsby ever um and then you have rose and you have uh griffey senior and george foster bench. and bench and you know orlando cepeda like tony perez or orlando cepeda played the cardinals i'm sorry but like you you get the point like like he's obviously overshadowed but their overall winning just kind of blinds you to the he played a like, big part on a great team and one that Cincinnati remembers fondly. I mean, you've got sure. you've had so many great have teams have come through Cincinnati. Like the big red machine, you put Bengals, Reds, all, all those teams together. Like that was that was the best stretch of course. sports of, ever. Of and course. He, and he meant a lot in that. And again, I'm not trying to say whether Concepcion should be in the hall or not for his numbers or, or anything like that. Like again, he's he's probably a hall of very good guy. Uh, my point is I feel like if you retire a guy's number. It shows what they did in that city at that time, what they meant to the fans, the overall contribution they brought that team over a given period of time. And Concepcion was in Cincinnati forever. I mean, I think he retired in what, like 87, something like that. I mean, somewhere in there. He was in Cincinnati for a long time. And like you said, was one of the weaker leagues of those big red machine teams. But he still played a key part in those championship teams. And he did enough to get his number retired. And it's definitely going to be the greatest honor of his career. So I, I feel like that should hold more weight to – an individual player in, in that regard, rather than what some beat writers think about you and your so numbers. Delgado and Delgado was an amazing hitter for the Blue Jays, probably the most consistently great hitter that that franchise has ever had. And he didn't even get more than 2% on his first um, hall of fame, but he got booted off. And like, you could, you can make the argument that he kind of suffered the Fred McGriff disease where like his numbers, you know, like Fred McGriff hit 493 home runs. I think Delgado hit like 473. If you, I mean, take away the steroid era and what Barry Bonds and Co. kind of just did for, um, like, what the league average was considered, because the league average is really just an amalgam of everything, and a league average hitter is just somebody who fits the composite amalgam of everything, mean score, OPS plus 100 kind of thing. But if you look at, like, guys like Delgado suffered, and they could, they have very strong Hall of Fame cases, but they're but their value, if you assess it by wins above replacement, is um, deterred by the fact that they played in eras that obviously, like, you had to do more to really accrue a lot of substantial value. But no, I agree with you. His number is retired, or the Blue Jays don't retire numbers, but you're in the ring of honor. I'm sure I don't think anybody wears 25 in Toronto. So, yeah, like, unwritten rule, not wear that person's yeah. number, just like I was 16 in Miami. And well, I guess people have worn 27 in Miami. That's a good debate, though, for, I guess, another Marlins, like, maybe, maybe off-season podcast. Do you retire 27 or shit like that? But that, that's a whole other no. rabbit hole we can go down. 
So, I want to talk uh, yeah. before we get into the deadline. I want to talk about the AL East because that's been, and I guess this is going to have to kind of go into the deadline. That division is wow. stacked. The Yankees are in last place, and everyone is over five hundred. I mean, when you look at, I believe they're all over five hundred. Oh wow! The Orioles just beat the Rays in, in ten innings. Did they? They're oh. playing. Actually, I didn't know that. Yeah, they're, 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 every team is over five hundred. They all have a chance to get into the wild card. And I do want to stress, I want to quickly go into the Rays. That team has been fun. When we talk about fun teams that are doing it with low payrolls, the Rays are the immediate first team you got to think of. And I put out a tweet the other day, and I know Lewis saw it because he liked it, that if maybe Shohei Otani wasn't having the season he was having, or he was maybe in the NL, Yandy Villa <laughs> should be the AL MVP by far. I think. Yeah, I mean, you, but you can, copy and paste, you can copy and paste that uh, rhetoric about the Rays pretty much every year since about 2008 minus 2016 about how they kind of work within the confines of their payroll. And they're just so great because they are. Although I will say that they are a lot more fragile late. Do you, I mean, do you remember when the season started and they won like their first 11 games and we were like, this team's so never going to win a streak of the year. Yeah. Then they start like yeah, 11 and 0, 12, Thir- and 13 and 0 because our Red, reds won 12. But I think 13 was the longest win streak of the year. It never looked but back. Everybody was crowning. Like a lot of people were one Mariners of like the 1906 Cubs, like after two weeks because, and you know, obviously Jeffrey Springs was healthy and they had a lot more things going. Everybody was contributing and everybody. And for the most part, most of those guys still are contributing. I mean, like they, they took Jake Diekman and brought him back from the dead of all people. Like the guy had been nothing for like two years and now he's pitching to like mm-hmm. a sub three ERA last I checked with them. So yeah, they're, they're, they're just very, I mean, they're savvy, but they're, they've been um, exposed recently. I mean, obviously Springs had Tommy John, um, Rasmussen, I feel like, is hurt all the time. He was great before he got hurt. He got hurt after that game against the Yankees where I think he threw something he like seven or eight crazy innings. Start. Mm-hmm. He was, and he's been tremendous ever since the start of like 2021. But then you have Glassnell who's back, but he's fragile. Taj Bradley struggled. Like they're a good team, but they're not without their flaws, obviously. And you know what? Like they can go out and make a trade for Otani. I mean, I think they make a lot of sense. They can. For him, but... It would be a true rental though. Unless they've oh, been yeah, saving money for the last the decade and a half just to I mean, sign Otani. They foresaw us coming and saying, yeah, we've been being that cheap for that signing. <laughs> their largest signing ever was Eflin, right? This but, Stoons, but Stu Sternberg, their owner, had the best offer in place for Freddie Freeman. Instead, he prioritized going to the Dodgers because he's from Orange County. And, you know, that worked out when the Braves didn't come calling after the Matt Olson tr- um, trade and it's kind of worked quickly out ensuing Braves, extension. But, um, yeah, it's just the Rays are good. I think just that they're not without their weaknesses. And, like, I feel, and I hate, like, and I can't, and I, and I hate, like, you know, like, listen, like, if the Rays never won a World Series, that's going to be, like, the Rays are overrated. They never won a World Series, yada, yada, yada. I don't know where you guys on the ideological, like, like, I don't know where you guys on the ideological perspective of, like, do you have to win a World Series to be considered a great team? And my answer is fuck no. I absolutely don't think you need to because it takes a lot to get to the dance. It's a it's a crapshoot at that point. You have to win eleven games and you have to not lose three or four in a row or in a in a, in a series. Um, but to consistently do it when you're working with like peasant sums of funds and uh, with an owner that doesn't want to spend in a stadium that's seldom full, which is ridiculous because that team is so wildly entertaining. Yeah, that, I think that's more impressive than winning one World Series and then going on a Royals like run of horrendous play. 
in my opinion, to consistently be in it. Maybe you're honey dicking your fans a lot by like flirting with the idea of getting to the playoffs and then you have a potential World Series. But listen, if you're consistently a competitive team, you're going to be fun to watch every year, even if you don't win a World Series in like a 20 year stretch. And sure, that'll get annoying after a while. I mean, look, the Yankees post 2003 division series out, division series out. And then you go in 2009 after like six years of kind of just straddling that line. But I don't know. Like, there's something to be said about consistently winning, especially if you're doing it in the confines of a budget that they are. That is stupid impressive. Even if they don't win the World Series this year, I don't think that's going to change the reputation of the Rays. I think they're the most savvy team in that division. The Orioles are frugal. um, And there's things that we've seen that they haven't done yet. I don't think they've done the best of jobs of developing pitching. As Grayson Rodriguez, like, as touted as he was and as ready as he was maybe last year, got hurt. And he's been terrible this year. So it's just like... Like the Rays, it seems like they can fix you up as nice. They can polish a turd player as best as any team in baseball. The Dodgers Luke, too. Luke Rayleigh, for example. I mean, this guy didn't have an OPS, an OPS, so WRC plus over 100. This year he has a 156 WRC plus, and he's their starting DH. I mean, he's in the lineup every day almost. This guy's a, this guy's a stud. <laughs> There's, I mean, this guy's 15 homers. He's career high in homers besides uh 2018 when he was with the Dodgers and double A, but I mean major league career high in homers. This guy yeah. and the only issue is this 30% strikeout rate, but he's producing, he's putting the ball in play, and he he's getting on base, he's doing everything he has to. And Tampa just I mean, they find shit. They literally find shit and turn it into greatness. I mean, that's how you kind of put it. I think that's the best way to, to put it with the Rays. Not to take over your hosting, Daniel, but I think this is where we could start with the trade deadline. If we're gonna go division by division, we can start with the yeah. AL. I think yeah, we'll go division by division. Kind of maybe not every team, just like people that like, we'll, we'll go more into buyers. I think people would like to hear teams are gonna buy um, and what they expect. Um, we could probably leave the NL East for later as we do them. As you know, we, we I think are, more interesting conversation buyers. personally would be who's a seller because this is absolutely Ooh. a seller's market. And like I mean, with this new playoff format. And with the success okay. of a lot of teams right now, you got so many different teams, somewhere between five games over 500 and like 10 games over 500. We can I go. think about half the league sits right there. So I think trying to figure out who's a seller for these trade deadline series we've done on Fish on First, Shameless Plug. On sellers? Those. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like, we could throw the vision by the We've been trying to figure out who's going to be a seller for so long. It's still so tough. And we All really right. may not know until next week. So, well, let, uh, let's, start off let's start off AL Central. Who's the seller? Who's the seller? Who's the I seller? I mean, realistically, Royals, everyone who's not the Guardians start. or Twins. <laughs> I could see the Ray. I mean, I could see a team like the Rays to circle back to them, you know, asking something for a Brady Singer who last yeah. year he overperformed a little bit, but he was still good. This year he's underperforming his fit by a full run and a half, just about. Like, I could see the Rays seeing something in that and being like, okay, like, come over here, come here, Brady. And then they fix him, and then they could flip him for assets that just, they kind of just cycle through guys like that. I mean, the White Sox are going to trade. It's obvious. They, I mean, I, I posted a tweet today. I was flirting with the idea of Michael Kopech, who I like um, for a lot of teams that want starting pitching. I think maybe if he continues pitching the way he has since the start of May, where he's pitching at about a 325 ERA, he's striking out uh, 10 batters for nine. He walks everybody. I mean, like, I think if the Marlins, per se, were to acquire him, I think you would have two Edward Cabreras in your rotation at that point where you're not going to allow a lot of hits, but you're also going to walk everybody, I mean, in the ballpark. Like, like that's just 
41 walks and his last 66 and two thirds innings pitch. Like that's prorate that over 180 pitch inning pitch season. And like, you're leading the league in walks every year. Easy. I don't know what Cleveland's going to do. I mean, like Cleveland is like, they're just, that division is so bad. I mean, like it's so bad at the point that if the, if the guardians lose the next three games and the tigers theoretically win the next three games, they're going to be tied in that division. So like, it doesn't make any sense to me. The twins are a good team. And yet Pablo Lopez has kind of struggled recently. Um, he was okay today. Then you have like two runs and five or six innings. Correa yeah. hasn't hit, but he's got God, the ensuing injury. Um, like it, it, that's just such a bad division. I feel like like you made me dinner, and like all I'm looking at is just like like Campbell's soup and like <laughs> microwave carrots. Like it just looks like some crap. <laughs> that's Kevin's meal. No, it's oh, not. Shit. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's Dino Nuggets. It's Dino Nuggets. But what do you what do you guys Real. think? Though? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I kind of threw those last yeah. three teams into the category of, oh, they're going to sell. I didn't realize Detroit's kind of been on a heater recently. Like, they may yeah. not know what to do over, like, next week. I've seen so many teams want Lorenzo. Morosa I'll tell you what they should today do. That they, that, like, teams want Lorenzo. I'll tell you what they should do. They should do what the Rays have done in certain years and have measured sell-offs. And what I mean by that is we've seen this, too, in recent years. Teams that are currently competing will trade current assets for assets that they may have more control of, you know, trade a need for a need kind of thing. We see this all the time in teams that trade like Mike Rizzo, uh, the longtime GM for the Nationals, has always traded with teams like the A's, um, you know, the Gio Gonzalez trade, one example. And he's always said, you know, when I get on the phone with GMs, my emphasis is on giving them something that works for the team that I'm trading with and IE, I also want something in return too. That's why I'm, you know, I'm having this conversation in the first place. I can see a team like Detroit doing that. Maybe not, maybe if they drink the truth serum and understand that like, all right, like this division's bad, but are we really going to sustain ourselves? Like we have an inconsistency at DH right now. Like Carpenter's a pretty nice young hitter, but he's got his flaws. Cabrera's going to retire. Like, yeah. Do you want to make the push for Miggy? But like their whole pitching staff isn't healthy. Casey Mize is still working his way back from Tommy John. Um, I mean, Turnbull's good. Scooble. I mean, let's say have... hypothetically they make the postseason. They win the AL Central. They aren't getting out of the wild card round, are they? I mean, I guess it's a three gamers, but they're, they're not built happened. to go win three games or two games in, a, in three. Stranger things have happened, but you yeah. know, I, I'm I would obviously err on the side of no because they're I don't think they're a playoff team but I do also think that they can make moves that may not directly benefit them this year but may set them up for a possible playoff run right. in 2024 go, let me go to the next division so I wait think- wait really quickly I do want to talk about Detroit if they were right now to make the wild card the third wild card they would be facing the Texas Rangers, who Oof. I will say right now they they're not going to get the Rangers. wild card though because there's too but many. John Gray did get hurt yesterday. John oh, Gray you, got you mean hurt. the division spot. Yeah, John Gray got hurt yesterday. He had to leave his start a little early with some yeah. with a, with like leg, a knee injury. I think. I think they're going to be the team that goes out and acquires a Lucas Giolito at the deadline. I just Whoa, think that's, really? Yeah, that because I yeah. yeah, I think so, like kind of replace Degrom for like the rest of the. Uh, of the uh, of the season, yeah. Well, and maybe maybe they get a Kopech and a guy that has more control because Degrom's going to be out next year too. I mean, the pitching market is going to be flooded. Like I hate saying it, but I know they're going to flirt with the idea of Clayton Kershaw in the offseason because he's from Dallas. 
I would hate to see that happen just because I'd love to see him stay a Dodger for the entirety of his career. Um, I mean, God, like, it, it, I honestly, like, if they were to go out and trade for Otani, although I don't know what Artie Moreno, how he feels about trading within his division, though we've seen it before. Uh, Craig Gentry, I think, played for both the Rangers and the A's. Um, just Grid. as a name. Grid. But, but if you if Otani went to the Rangers, they're the World Series favorite in the American League for me. I don't really think there's any question. And they, they don't have a true DH. And then to throw that ace into your um your rotation, I mean, you know, with a better Matt Manning or, or a better Dane Dunning and hopefully a healthy John Gray who's been better with them. Jesus Christ, like that that would be scary. Yeah. You guys see me laughing at Dane Dunning. It's a long story. Yeah. It's a very long story. But <laughs> like, no, I'm a big Dane Dunning guy. I mean, he, Kevin, and Daniel have some, some history with that guy. Yeah, everyone wanted him. But, but uh, no, you bring up a good point, though, with Otani. I mean, not only do you get an excellent DH, you get you get a, a, a you get an ace in that yeah. as well, which, I mean, that's obvious, and you'd have to give up so much for it. But that also kind of raised the question in my brain that's always churning. How many teams right now could you add Shohei Otani to and realistically say this team would become a World Series contender, World Series contender instantly. How many teams in the league I mean, can do that? Too? Off the top of my head, maybe like four, but like, and those really? four, only four. Yeah, the yeah. true World Series contender: the Rays, the Rays, the Rangers, Rangers. Baltimore, the Baltimore. A lot and of these teams are already World Series so contenders. Like, so, so, I mean, I'm I, saying, like, you've got your World Series so contenders. Like the other one How about that next tier? Not the Braves. The other one the was the Braves, but I already think they're a World Series caliber team, although I do, yeah, I do you think You just named off four give you World a name. Series I'll give you a name. teams. How about that next tier of, like, Diamondbacks, Dodgers, Marlins, Phillies? The Phillies. You put them on the Phillies. The Phillies he'd be nasty on. I mean, it's a scary copy. You Aaron Nolan, Zach Wheeler, Shohei Otani. The only thing will be, like, Putting him in the lineup because like Bryce Harper is the DH, and then you have Kyle well, Harper is nearing a return to play first base though. Yeah, so you I have, have a to good put one. Bryce at first, and then you have to put Schwarber now. Yeah, Kev's got an option. What's Kev got? So uh, the Phillies, that's not a bad one. Seattle. Oh, no I remember he was rumored to sign that'd there be, out of Japan. That'd be, Kevin, that'd be a Phillies. fucking disaster if that were to happen right now. They are like yeah. a middling team. Yes. Yeah. But it You're would put them over the home. I'm, I'm not saying home. about like what assets you'd have to give because they'd probably have to give some crazy stuff. Like if you just pick have up a good show, hey, and put them on another team. If I'm the Mariners, a World Series contender. If I'm the Mariners and I'm trying to say, hey, I understand you really want to win long term. Um, we're not going to deplete our farm system by going after you now. We want you to come where there's going to be a nucleus of guys coming up. Then I'm not even like flirting with the idea right now. Maybe I make a tentative call. Mm-hmm. And I'd be pissed if I were to if I were to make some semblance of an offer that the G, um, Perry Manazian agreed to to trade him to Seattle right now because he's a rental. I mean, you know, I I still like listen. The Giants, the Giants could be one, but the thing is with yeah. Seattle, the only way you do that is if and you can't. There's no collusion allowed. You can't talk to him ahead of the trade is if you know for sure that you are going to blow the bank to re-sign him. I mean, like, you may have to pay him, like, $600 the whole million. Brinks, the whole Brinks truck. Not even, like, five Brinks you trucks. You two Brinks trucks. Right? Like, Warren Buffett <laughs> Warren Buffett would have to, like, finance the, the 
Like, like, right, I got he's about to give away you. a giant fraction of his net worth I got to some you. dude from Japan. For Shohei, for the dude from Japan, the ace from Japan, Mr. Japan. Um, but, to, oh, God. Hey, All-Star. He's actually playing pretty good, too. You've but got got yeah, but aside from that, talking about Shohei, realistically, I'm not talking about – let's see. How many teams do you think currently have the funds, have the ability – to sign Shohei, is it like five, four? I, mean, How I think the Rangers, Giants, for sure. the Rangers can do it because they gave Seager yeah. and Semyon a combined four hundred and seventy-five million, I think it was, or five hundred million dollars for those two guys. Obviously, the Dodgers, the Dodgers, um, the, the Diamondbacks Dodgers. spend more money than you think. I mean, they did sign Zach Greinke to a big contract. Yeah. They just, they just ate the Madison Bumgarner deal. They ate that. Um, the Giants can do it. The Giants have money. They're like the second most valuable or third most valuable. I've been saying for like a year now that I think Shohei's going to be a Giant. I don't know if I'm thinking that anymore, but obviously, for a long I think time, the Padres be there because Padres. Oh my God, him on the Padres! Imagine that. If the the Braves are going to sign Otani for like one year and six million, knowing the way that they sign those guys, <laughs> like, but he would totally. Yeah, I could see it. the Phillies. I could see the Phillies. Um, I think he I stays mean, in the West Coast. Yeah, I, mean, I, 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 I think he's going to be a Dodger. I agree. At this point, imagine listening to Joe Davis call Shohei hitting a home run every night. That's Chills. that's auditory sex. I mean, like that's just amazing. <laughs> Joe Davis, is the best broadcaster in baseball, to hear him calling a Shohei homer, and then oh, him man. call a Shohei ten double digit strikeout games. And we won't hear it this year because the Angels aren't making the postseason. So we'll, we'll, we'll go a little more, talk about the National League. I'll probably just bring up one division, and then we can go into uh, awards. Um, so I, I think the most interesting one, looking at it, God, it's it kind of – I would say the one with more teams probably looking at the, the trade deadline. I would say the NL West. Obviously, the East, the Braves are the top of the pack. They, they're not they're not doing anything. Um, they might add something, who knows, just to get them over a little – make sure they're number one there. But – NL Central is kind of like a two-team race, maybe the Cubs going at it. But the NL West, the Dodgers, Arizona, the Giants have made a push seemingly out of nowhere to be to be in the wild card spot. And the Padres, you know, they have all these top guys. It's just do they need another guy to be able to put over that hump and get to the wild card spot? So uh, let's talk a little bit uh, about the West, just and starting off with the Padres. Uh, is that even like seemingly remotely possible for them? To, I know I just said buyers, but could they be like sellers? Like they're under five hundred. Like Kevin, like you love you love the Padres, bro. Like like uh, everything here, <laughs> like Juan Soto, Bogarts, uh, Gary Sanchez has just been like home run Gary hitting Sanchez. for them almost every game. Yeah, I, I, I want to hear Kevin Padres, on, on this. I don't. I think. I don't think they make the playoffs. I, I was talking today to Eli and Isaac about this, and I was like, man, the Padres just lost the series to the Phillies, and they're not getting any better. Um, honestly, right now, you could yeah. probably get a damn haul for Josh Hader and Blake Snell if, if you look to trade those expiring contracts. And I'm not saying Miami, but right now, Josh Hader's having a hell of a year. Blake Snell, I, I believe, is going to be a Cyan contender. He's been the I best mean, pitcher in baseball over the last like month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, he's so fragile. I, I love Snell's stuff, but I also think he, he, his command is so suspect that like the team that acquires him is essentially going to be acquiring at best six innings and three walks. Like that's just like Blake Snell. Either way, a team that acquires him is going to get better. He's going to 
Sure, but he walks seven today. He walks seven today. Like, and he, and, and like, that's bad, but like, I feel like he's a guy that, like, I'm sure if you did a stat head query, he's probably got the most four plus walk games. Since His the start splits since Gary Sanchez got there have, has been nuts. Like, They're insane. Dude literally, it reinvented Sanchez is a snap. horrendous defensive catcher, so it's so weird the way baseball works. But Maybe I guess it's like if they just clicked two inherent, picked up right away. I mean, Sanchez two inherent like negative caller, two negative integers that becomes a positive. I don't know, but <laughs> I feel like if you yeah. trade for him, you have to try and get Sanchez too. But like that would kill two birds with one stone for Miami. Not that it would ever yeah. happen. It's not going to happen. But like Joe Musgrove did say yesterday, who you were talking oh, about. Oh yeah, I saw that. He yeah, did say that he was that. okay with the Padres trading off assets. Yeah, but I think it's actually like... smart smarter to do that now i think i mean machado you really can't move yet he's in like the first year of a revamp 11 year deal um but soto you can trade Soto you can trade that's the thing recoup some of like the the assets that they lost exactly because the nationals really did well although you know mackenzie gore hasn't been great of late um james wood is like the the main coming through the minor league system like you got they got guys abrams has been kind of inconsistent robert hassel there's room for them to get better. I, I like. I definitely think that, like, you know, you could trade Soto. I think now, especially when you have another year of control with him going into next year, you have him for a potential playoff run, and then you have him for the duration of a full season. Like, that – like, you know what's a weird one that I actually like? Juan Soto could be nice on the Twins. Juan Soto on it. the Twins would seal that division, I think. Really? They'd have oh, to I absolutely would. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lock on it, but what does Minnesota I think you're going to get the the usual below average defense. I think he's got like this like Ted Williams disease where he just loves hitting so much that defense is just an afterthought for him because he's always been like, except for like one year, I think it was like 2019, where he was just a really bad defensive, really good defensive outfit. He's just consistently bad. Like he's just a below average defender, below average arm. Like mm-hmm. he just loves hitting. And I think that manifests in him not giving too, uh, too much care to his defense, though I'm sure he'd tell you otherwise. Um, but just the bat itself is so lethal. Like when, like even if he's not hitting, he's gonna walk enough that you're gonna still somehow find a way to win, a, you know, a majority of your games. And that's so inherently valuable. Like play, I talk about play discipline a lot, but like, can you just imagine a lineup of like Juan Soto, Carlos Correa, and? You know, like Alex Kirilov and maybe if Jose Miranda is better him. Joe like, Ryan and Pablo Lopez. Yeah, like that's a Sonny good Gray. team. Sonny Gray. That's a good team. They're already a good team. Baldelli's a great manager. That front office is so what, what does Minnesota trade for him, that's though? The because thing. they, they emptied the farm last year to Your go get assets. And not... They just got sucked dry. Like, Your I don't think – does Royce Willis still have value? Oh yeah, you'd probably headline a Soto package, but you like, more than just torn ACLs though is like one of those things that you just kind of have to like, yeah, like I don't know. And the Padres don't need another shortstop. Yeah, they don't. Jose Salas trade value's done. It's gone. Edward, Edward Julian would be. Yeah. Oh, he's been he's been raking the ball as of late. He has, and that's the thing. He would highlight your package, and then you don't have much. I mean. The twin system is not that stacked. <laughs> what about the teenage outfielder that the Marlins gave up in the Arise trade? Brian Churio? Yeah, uh, how is he? Because he hit well in the minors before the Marlins dealt him. I don't know how he's doing this year, but. Probably cool. it would be pretty insignificant in a Soto package, I'd imagine. Like, you look at what the 
the Padres gave up to get him. I mean, I feel like it'd be something, maybe not quite as much, but it would be something decently similar. If that I, were to I happen think you again. can have so Brooks Lee. You need Brooks Lee. You can get two very good minor leaguers and maybe one quality big leaguer for Juan Soto right now. If you were maybe to like trade a, him, Simeon Woods. Would you guys say that uh, the Arise trade shot them in the foot to trying it as Soto? Do you think that would help them, or is that actually hurting their chances more? Because you would have more um, leeway because, to trade infielders. No, because you would I don't have think that rise. matters. I don't think that matters because they already have enough infield depth. I think a right yeah. like like Hassan Kim can is going to will I. It's not going to be crazy. This will, this may sound crazy, but I think Hassan Kim will finish with as much, if not slightly more, wins above replacement on both Fangraphs and Baseball Reference and Luis Arise. Because he's above average hitter, and he's he's, a, he's been really good as of late. Like I've only been looking been, at his fantasy numbers, was, but like he he's been signed, hitting the ball well over the last month. He was signed for his power, and like when you go to Petco, it's like you're just gonna depreciate. Your power's gonna depreciate. You're gonna lose some of that. For Hassan, then his defense is elite, yeah. and like that's why he's so good. It's no matter what infield position he's playing, he's a four and a half more player right now. He's gonna That's, win the gold glove. He got off to a terrible start. He was puking for like, like month guys and a half. like that won't win the MVP, obviously, because the the defense is important. But like they obviously, it's a an award predicated more on offensive prowess. But I still think that he's so good. He'll he'll equal, if not eclipse, a rise in total value. But like trading, like that, the arise trade doesn't really matter in that regard because the Padres don't need another infielder. They don't. Um, do, they have enough. I want to give a destination. Would Cincinnati be a spot for Soto? Oh, that's Grant's spot. No, but hear me out because they are going to resign about it. The thing. Think think about it though. They need to give up prospects. My, I mean, San Diego needs pitching, prospects. not hitting. They're good on hitting. San Diego needs pitching. The Reds need pitching. You could trade oh, yeah, like, the Reds. Yeah. That's not a trade the Reds are going to make. I've seen Reds fans talking about Otani. That'd Although I love, it. but that that's Only a true rental. The city of Cincinnati that. can't afford Joe Burrow and Shohei Otani extensions within the same three month span. <laughs> like this yeah, tiny yeah. little city will literally if explode that happened, if that happens. Grant would be paying like sixty dollars for a bag of rice, like basically. <laughs> yes, no, but, but um, I would be the city tax would be nuts. Um, going from that, let's uh, Shohei tax. Let, let's finish. But the answer Kev's question. It's not an option. Let, let's yeah. finish up these last ten minutes. Um, we could do like every single award. But I think we could just do focus on the two that are the most wide open, and that's the Cy Young for the NL and for the AL. Um, we kind of could do this, like, I don't want to say predictions, but I'm going to go one by one, kinda like more of a format for this, this question maybe. I want to hear everyone maybe on the AL and NL who you think has the best shot, Kevin. For Cy Young, I think in the AL – I like I liked what Joe Ryan has done, but he didn't even make the All-Star game. And he's been really good for the Twins, but wow. is it Cy Young How many worthy? MVPs have not be, made the All-Star the game factor. yet won it? I think Olvado did it in 2010, but I don't know any others that did. He made the All-Star team as a final vote in 2010 and won the MVP. And then for the NL, I mean, mm-hmm. should be Zach Gallon. Yeah. No, he has been too inconsistent of late. I don't know. Mm-hmm. He's been... He's been so good. All right. Let's throw some hot takes in here. Oh, Lord. 
Oh All right, I think right now, if the season were to end, today, AL, my, my AL Cy Young would be Garrett Cole. My NL Cy Young would be Logan Webb. However, wow. I think if the, when, when it's all said and done, my two Cy Youngs will be NL Spencer Strider, AL Joe Ryan. I think Joe Ryan will be the best pitcher in baseball number-wise when it's all said and done. I think that he's gotten a little bit unlucky, and yet he's still putting up insane numbers, plays in a, in a pretty bad division. And the Twins still have a lot of AL Central games left and have one of the weaker schedules, me a lot if of I remember Bieber. correctly. So uh, I think Joe Bieber. Ryan will finish out really, really strong. He will. And then Strider racks up too many strikeouts. It's, and it's the Braves are good. He's going to rack up wins. He's going to appeal to the older voters for sure. It's between Strider and, and Gallen. And I guess if you want, if Blake Snell keeps doing what he's doing, I guess he's going to get a vote or two. But it's going to be Why one of you guys mentioned Stroman, though. Stroman, Stroman is a good one. He's been lucky. He's an accident man. waiting to happen. No. He's been lucky. He is. He's been so lucky. He had that one complete game and a couple other solid starts, but he's his last been, time out against St. Louis, been, three and two listen, thirds. Guys, seven hits, four run runs, four walks. For the yeah. most part, you're to hear your For the most part, you're gonna have a little bit of luck, or you're gonna have a little bit of bad luck. If you mm-hmm. look at his ERA to FIP, it's like half a run. Sure, he probably wouldn't be – and so, so put it this way. He's got a 288 ERA, and he's got a 339 FIP. Logan Webb has, like, a 309 ERA and, like, a 330 FIP. And Logan Webb leads NL pitchers in, fa- in baseball reference war right now, and he leads yeah. the majors in innings pitch. He's probably going to throw 200 innings this year. That's, like, that's not that big of a deal if you're over-pitching your, your ERA by half a run. Like – it happens. We have war, we have awards that calculate, or we have metrics that that accommodate for you know these kind of things. I think Stroman is maybe a safe pick right now, but Justin Steele is another guy that's really safe. I don't really have an answer. That's a good I one. mean, right now, Steele was Logan injured Webb, though. If Logan Webb continues to accrue volume while limiting hits, um, the way he is, I think he's going to be a guy that may win the Cy Young. Um, I like him as a potential Cy Young candidate in the American League. I think Garrett Cole will get it done mm-hmm. and probably win that first Cy Young that he was kind of robbed of in 2019. MVP, though, like if you want to go MVP, it's Shohei in the American League. And if it's National League, I think it's Acuna because it's just the balance of skills that – I think Maybe. those are both your MVPs. I, I don't I think, think they'll um, change unless Joe Hay gets traded to the NL. Then that creates a crazy conversation. I don't know how they would do that, but I think if everything stays the same, it's Shohei oh, AL MVP far and away. Acuna uh, should probably hold on. Who would chase down Acuna though in the NL? Maybe Freeman. I like. Yeah, I don't know. Freeman's been wild. Otani's already got AL MVP locked up. It, no, no I think. I think it'll be Acuna unanimously. Like. It's not even close, really. Yeah, he's yeah. I, I, I don't think anyone's going to beat Acuna, but if someone before does, we go, maybe though, Freeman, Before we go, though, know. I'll ask this question, and then we'll do Rookie of the Year real quick, and we got to get going. Oh, wait. Let me give my quick for uh, for pitchers real quick. I think AL, I think a name we're forgetting, uh, Shane McClanahan from the Rays. Burns um, out he, every year. If he qualifies for the ERA title. Yeah, I think I think he had the chance to be AL Cy Young. I think more favorably it's going to go to Garrett Cole. Just the way that he's performing and, and the strikeouts and just hey, we had to talk about Yavaldi though, and yeah, he's yeah he overperformed oh yeah. incredibly he, at the beginning of the year. Know, but I, I think he won't hold on, but he had a crazy first half. He's Yavaldi was like the best pitcher in the first half. 
he, and honestly, a guy that could have also gotten it, I know Lewis is here, uh, not, not you know, joking around or anything, you know, if he, completely healthy. I think Kershaw has a legit shot it, to, to be a top three Cy Young uh, vote getter. Yeah, I Even mean, if it wasn't for the injury, I think he could definitely win it. Yeah. yeah. He's one of the greatest pitchers of all time, and he's still showing why he is. Um, Before we go, though, I will say this. Acuna, obviously, with the collective body of work, this year and even in years past. I mean, even last year when he wasn't 100%, he was still 20% above league average as a hitter. Do you guys think that the depressed base running rules, the very liberal kind of like you can only throw over twice, so it's very liberalized for base runners, the Acuna's kind of like very like large, like he's having a Joe Morgan kind of season right now with more power. Um, do you think the depressed rules on base running as far for, as um, base runners go has dep- depreciates in any way the fact that Acuna stolen nearly 50 bases and we're still in July because everybody's running now. I mean, like, like guys that weren't big base dealers before, like Freddie Freeman's got like something like eight or nine stolen bases. And like, he's stolen 10 before. But, like, like, so tell like everybody's stealing bases nowadays. I'm like, Jacob Stallings is going to steal a base tomorrow or some, some <laughs> crap. Like that's what I mean, like, what do you think is more likely, Jacob Stallings to throw out back-to-back runners in the same inning or him to steal a base? Steal a base. Um, a better chance of, like, me going on the moon, taking off my helmet, and being and living through <laughs> the toilet story. Neither of those better things better chance of me going on a date with Libby Dunn. Oh, God. All right, all right. Anyway. Uh, we're at that point in the podcast. So, with, with I think we'll finish this up. We're going an hour. Um, let's do this a little rapid fire. I just want names. Names. Kevin, NL, AL, Rookie of the Year. Go. Hmm. AL, I think it's going to be Josh Young. He's been really good. All-star starter. NL? Who's even in the NL? Who's a rookie? I can't even remember now. Dude, Eli's going to flame you. Oh, well. Well, Corbin Carroll. Carroll. Corbin Carroll, yeah. Although, I was going to far back. And here's Carroll the thing is- with Ellie. He was he was my sleeper pick, the win, but like he didn't he hasn't gotten off the hot enough of a start. He hasn't done anything since that cycle, which I guess we can lead that into my picks. Corbin, I got Corbin, Corbin Carroll in the in the uh, NL. Honestly, too, and like I think Corbin Carroll is gonna have a better career than Ellie De La Cruz. I just think there's like, a, I think there's so. enough in there to suggest that he's gonna sustain what he's Ellie's doing. so young though that it's it's tough to tell. Isn't Corbin a little older? I yeah, could be he's entirely like 24, wrong. Four twenty five. But Ellie's even though twenty one, I, I I feel fine about that's, Ellie. But like that's, that's not a hot take. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Like to even do what he's doing because if you look at most aged nineteen to twenty one seasons, I'm sure that most of them were not this good right off the bat. Dylan and Cruz probably... twenty one and was just in the MLB draft and like had to play in college and look at and Ellie just hit for the cycle I against mean, the best team Corbin in baseball. Is, is turning twenty three in August. Corbin is he's twenty four. Okay. I like 20, 20, 25, he's, 26. he's 22. All right, who is yours, Grant? All right, so NL, I've got Carroll, as much as I hate to say it. Dark Horse, though, someone who's really flown under the radar for numbers in the NL. Two Reds guys, and not, neither of them are Ellie. Spencer Steer, Matt McClain, they've both been really good. They deserve yeah, their Matt flowers. McClain, I, um, Matt McClain is like a better Alec Bohm. Yeah, he, yeah, he's been so consistent. Like, ever since his first day getting called up, like, he's been a consistent 300 hitter. He'll probably stay at 300 the whole year. He's been good, but... AL Asataki Yoshida as AL Rookie of the Year. I think right now I'd give it to I give it to Josh Young, but um, I, I think Yoshida will win it. I think we all have the same Josh Young and uh, and uh, 
He's been tremendous. He's been I got Yoshida, man. Give me, give me Yoshida. I, All right, let's go something a little more challenging so we can so we can leave. Now that we hit an hour, I, names, names. Okay, I want names. Manager okay. of the year, AL, NL, Kevin. NL? NL, AL. Give me Skip. I think what you've seen, but, you know, the turnaround for that, for Miami has been – you, we, I mean, obviously, we see it more than others, but you know that clubhouse is—it's crazy how that culture he's tried to start building the groundwork for. It's they're they're buying into it, and you know, Tori Lovello should be another highly thought of candidate for manager of the year. But he said names. I know, I don't care. But then we also have Derek Shelton, who's who got off to a great start for Pittsburgh, and obviously now they're kind of breaking it up there. But you know, it's kind of. Yeah. deteriorating what they've done, but I think it's Skip. And then for the AL... Names, oh, yeah. names, names. I, whole I, I, got, I got mine ready. Bruce I, I Bochy go for the AL. Bruce Bochy. Okay, go, Greg. Like Alright, AL, I got Brandon Hyde of the Baltimore Orioles. And That's then a great one. Yeah. NL, dude, I mean, I was kind of a, a Skip guy uh, for, for a while, but since the fall off, I think you just got to give it to the, the manager of the best team, Brian Snicker. As much as I hate to say it, I hate the Braves, but I'll, I'll give it to Snicker. I'll, I'll give it to him. He's, he's been the manager I, of the I best think, team all year. I, I do, I do think too. I mean, like, it is something to say. There's something to say about managing a team of consistently great players the way that Snicker's done it. I think he's already won the award twice, though. But last what year, I'm, give it to him a third year. time. Like, but what I'm alluding to is the fact that, like, having to manage so many of those personalities is a pretty huge undertaking. And obviously they can't, it's not only them, you know, they kind of, you know, like those like manager of the year awards to me are always like the praise that people sing on like Taylor Swift or like Mariah Carey. It's like, there's so many other people behind the scenes that kind of go into making those things happen. Like Mariah Carey's not playing any of the instruments. She's like, you know, Snickers not making every move. Like, there's a lot of other people that go into that, making that decision. But that being said, a manager is a symbolic unifying force. And the fact that Snickers kind of done so well, despite their pitching being good but inconsistent, like, that's that's something. Uh, nationally, for me, um, I, you asked me a week ago, I probably would have said skip. But I think I'm having this internal monologue with myself of like, do I still believe that this team is going to buy the deadline and go to the playoffs? No friggin' idea. Um, I think Lavello though, because I think the Diamondbacks really, it was supposed to be next year that that core was supposed mm-hmm. to fully materialize. Cause I think that this upcoming offseason would have been the one where they add um, some more names to really supplement a young core with the veterans like Etel Marche and such. Um, AL is Bochy though. Bochy's already a future Hall of Famer. Um, he's just doing, he's just showing again why he's so great. All right. Um, All right, Danny. I'm going to put um, my names. Uh, I'm going to quick Tony Ravello from Arizona. And then I'm going to go, um, oh, my guy just forgot his name. I'm going to go Kevin Cash with uh, Tampa Bay. Again, just doing with a roster like that. I, I think it, that, that's a good name there. But we're going to end it there. We're already over an hour. Uh, I want to thank everyone for listening to the very first episode of baseball buffs. Lewis, you have to flex. You have to flex. Come on. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> this is the first episode of baseball buffs. You can check it out on baseball.buffs on TikTok, on Twitter, or you can just check it out. Check us out on Fish on First, where we're all a part of. We want to thank Eli for letting us do this. Um, 
I'm Daniel. For Kevin, for Grant, for Lewis, uh, for everybody listening, I want to thank – we all want to thank you so much for this. Uh, we can't wait to do this. Uh, put more on TikTok, Twitter, uh, wherever. Uh, I feel like it's going to be great, um, not just for, for the people listening, but also for Fish on First, everyone involved. Um, I want to thank you again. Uh, I would say go fish, but for this one, go everyone. Let's go, go everybody. Go Let's go baseball. To echo Sarah Lang's baseball is the best. Baseball is the, that's how we do it. Baseball is the best. Perfect.